Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Skyping's Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. You know, I've been talking a lot on my Instagram about relationships lately. Um, actually, no, it's not even about relationships, more so about like our relationships with ourselves and how that informs our relationships. And um, people were like, you know, we want you to do an episode about trauma. And I was like, ooh, uh, that, you know, it just, Rebecca made like a very, like, like she had eaten some bitter soup when I mentioned it. So, you know, we were like, what, what's a, what's an episode that can address that, but that maybe, you know, has more of an uplifting space. And we talked about a a number of different topics and we landed on save yourself. And coincidentally, that's also the messaging on my new apparel line, illustrious league. And listen, like the reason why that is the first drop of illustrious league, because every drop will have a different uh, message that is carried out through my original artwork. The reason why that's the first drop is because I feel like this pandemic has really forced a lot of us to get very introspective in a myriad of ways. And we have talked about this in a myriad of ways across, you know, these episodes. But I feel like this pandemic has forced introspection that for it in its in its best case scenario has awakened powers in folks that they didn't know they had. And I don't mean powers like like, oh my God, all of a sudden I'm telepathic and um, I can move things with my mind and I'm Matilda. You know, I don't mean like you are now one with the force. The force is one with you. But kind of in a way, I kind of do though. Because you start to realize the source of things that have been like an impediment to you and your ability to actually move beyond them. And that feels like a superpower for a lot of us. And that brings us to today's episode, Side Effects of Saving Yourself. And I want to talk about what that means because I have mentioned the concept of saving yourself many a times on my Instagram and been met with people who say things like, everybody needs help. And, you know, you can't say that because that's abandoning people. And you don't know everybody's situation. So you don't know if they can save themselves. And, you know, there's, of course, a a large spectrum of existence and of identities and individual situations that we all are inhabiting. But remember, it's always a take it or leave it. And it's always a if the shoe don't fit type situation with anything that I say. Like, if it don't apply, let it fly. You know, like if you are somebody who has you know, an impairment of sorts that you're, for okay, this is the example someone gave me. They were like, you know, there are people who have mental impairments that impede them from being able to save themselves in the way that you're describing. And I'm like, yes, I'm not talking to them. 
I'm talking to those of us who ignore or are unaware of our abilities within ourselves to save ourselves and thus continue in cycles of trauma, of toxicity, or of living beneath your potential because of your unawareness or your unwillingness to engage in the reality of your being able to save yourself. That's That's who I'm talking to. And you know if I'm talking to you because you just looked around in your car to see if anybody could see you because you didn't want to feel like they was pointing you out. She talking to you! Let's get into a gem drop. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. So today's gem drop is babying yourself versus saving yourself. Now, I think we have talked in the past about, you know, just like not being hard on yourself and being kind to yourself. And I don't want to discount the importance of either of those things because they are very important, right? Like they always say that the way that you talk to people is how you talk to yourself, right? So most of the times it's kind of like, if you are somebody who was spoken to in like a really harsh manner, then you you kind of communicate with yourself in that manner and you communicate with others in that manner. And it ends up just being kind of this like conundrum of negativity that you can't get out of. That being said, there is a difference with being kind to yourself and babying yourself. The same way there's a difference between being hard on yourself and holding yourself accountable. So let's talk about babying yourself. You know the truth about what is expected of you based on your values, based on your morals, your ethics, etc. You know whether or not you are living up to those things. And you know, even if you can't identify the reasons why, you know there are reasons why. The babying yourself, in my opinion, comes in letting yourself off the hook from advancing into the action of identifying those things. Babying yourself is when you choose to make yourself the victim of your own fury. Like, I know that I can't stand when people, it's like they light the fire and then cry for help. And you're like, but you lit that fire. So if you lit the fire, like knowingly lit the fire, and now you're like, oh my God, there's a fire. It's almost like you didn't realize that that fire was there. I think drama queens baby themselves. They do the drama because they want you to come and be involved and, you know, be a part of the the mayhem, et cetera, et cetera. And the babying yourself is what keeps you from being able to elevate into experiences that are more mature, more responsible, more solid, more clear. Because that's the whole part of, like, getting older, right? The Ideally, you want to get older and be able to see things in a clearer fashion and do so by compiling the experiences that you've had into wisdom. When you baby yourself, you're not doing that. 
You're not compiling your experiences into wisdom. You're not using any level of critical thinking and comparative analysis. You're just allowing yourself to remain where you are and not elevate. And that's why it's babying, in my opinion. Because, I mean, the babying is the coddling and, oh, you know, like, oh, precious baby, precious baby. But I like to put another spin on babying, which is like, you're just allowing yourself to operate as if you don't know no better. (laughs) Because that's what babying is. Like, someone doesn't know any better. Most baby, baby, (laughs) most babies, most babies, like some babies, you know what I'm saying? Like, they know what it is. So don't 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 front, don't front, front, baby. You know what it is. You knew what was going to happen when you threw that bottle, baby. Quit fronting. No, babies don't know no better. So when when you're dealing with children, you have a level of patience. You have a level of understanding. Your level of educating that you give to them because they don't know any better. So when we treat ourselves like that, when we know better, we're babying ourselves. But the problem is that we're past that stage of life. And so it's not soothing. It's not helpful. It's not protecting. What it is, is it's diminishing and it's reductive. Now, when we talk about the difference between babying ourselves and saving ourselves, you know, when, you, when you're saving yourself, you're saying, okay, I am responsible for me. I'm not a baby, so there's no one that's going to show up and take care of me. There's no one that's even socially expected to show up and take care of me, except for me. And here's the thing. Saving yourself doesn't mean you're not asking for help. It doesn't mean you're not, you know, having vulnerable uh, moments. And it doesn't mean you're not vulnerable because vulnerable is strength as well. Saving yourself doesn't mean that you are selfish and that everybody else doesn't matter anymore because it's all about you. What saving yourself means is it means that you are identifying things about you within you and you are understanding that you have the most power in how you live this life and you're not abandoning yourself. And I talked about that when Jessica Langedo was on the show because she's, you know, a medium and a psychic and all of these things. But she had mentioned on one of her podcasts, Don't Abandon Yourself. And it really woke me up out of a stupor because I was not babying myself, but I definitely was abandoning myself in the sense of I was ignoring the power and tools that I have within me. And... All of us need tools to get through. And the saving yourself part is when you acknowledge that and you hold yourself accountable in seeking those things out. And sometimes it can be really fucking hard. But you have it in you. And I don't think there's this enough education. I don't think there's enough encouragement in our society that leads people down a path of knowing that as a person, they have power. I think oftentimes it gets contextualized in this place of like, you on your own, born alone, die alone. Ain't nobody coming for you. And that just feels very, very negative. But save yourself is not coming from a negative space. Save yourself is coming from the most utmost positive space, which is imagine knowing that it is all in you 
and not letting that be a burden, but letting that be a asset, letting that be a source of enthusiasm, letting that be exciting. Because now you know you're not at the whim and at the behest of forces outside of you. And like the truth of the matter is like we, (laughs) even when you know that this world is moving regardless of you, when you are able to say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to make a choice to let go. That still gives you a sense of connection to your path that you're not just being pulled along. You're making a choice to receive what's brought to you. And I think a lot of people are afraid to make that choice because then if shit go left, then they feel like, oh my gosh, it's all my fault. And that's a a fact of life. So I, I ask everybody who's listening to consider what are the ways in which you save yourself? Is it, you know, talking to your friends? Is it, you know, by giving yourself um, a budget when you know that you spend too much? Is it um, not allowing toxic relationships to continue to take further root in your life once you identify that they're toxic? I mean, there's so many. Is it by learning how to just not let anyone fuck up your day? That's my, that, that's mine. I'm really, really dedicated to just not letting anybody disrupt my peace. I've been having this conversation with myself for two years, and I feel like I'm finally getting to a place where I am not, where I'm doing way better at least, at not letting anyone disrupt my peace, at least for a a stretch of time, maybe like five minutes. If you're babying yourself, be honest about it today. Like legit, if you're listening to this and you know You know what you babying yourself about. You know what you sucking on the titty about. You know. You know what you sitting in the playpen about. Stop Stop that that shit. shit. It's Women's History Month. So for all the women listening, it's grown-ass women time. And, you know, the babying yourself is not indicative of that. The saving yourself is the reality. Because the truth is, like, even if people come to save you, to help you, to, you know, support you, if you are not in a space where you're able to receive it, it's not going to matter. So sometimes being able to receive that help is also an example of saving yourself. Allowing yourself to be helped, supported, and encouraged is one of the greatest examples of saving yourself. Because let me tell you, you ain't really going to get nowhere just being the strongest bitch out. That's tiring. DMT. We're serving it. All right, time to get into some DMTs. First question. How do you know that you are saved? Not biblically. LOL. All right. I really think that People oftentimes talk about like, I got to get my life together, right? I got to get my life together. I got to get my life together. And that ends up seeming that it, it seems like that means like everything is in place and there's no issues and it's like Shangri-La. And that's just not realistic. Like if you're doing stuff and you in the world, like there's just kind of always going to be 
something, you know? I know particularly as a business owner, there is always something. And it can feel very overwhelming that there seems to always be something. And so to me, being, being quote unquote, like having saved yourself is, is, is knowing that even though shit ain't all together, that you are aware of what it takes to feel together in spite of that. And you can be together with shit not being together all the time because you are exercising certain tools of therapy, of mental health. Like I know for me, I have had to get really consistent about deep breathing and about like censoring my mind because I start to get pulled in all of these directions and I feel like I've quote unquote saved myself at this point in my life because I am being so much more conscious about not letting life pull me in all of these goddamn directions and pulling the kite in. And I've talked about that metaphor on here before because my mom says it all the time. Pull the kite in. You know, if you have a kite and you let the string go too long, it starts wilding about in the air. And you can't get control of it until you pull the string in. You don't have as much leeway for the wind to take it across the sky. And you are now more in control of like how that works. And that's how I feel about my thoughts. Sometimes I get my thoughts too much string and they're just out here, out here, out here. And I feel like I've saved myself in being able to get myself together quickly and not let myself go into the spiral. And some people need medication to do this. You know, some people need to change location to do this. You know, I always say everybody got to change who they around, but there's not like one answer to how do you know you saved yourself? I think it really is just sometimes you got to save yourself from a particular situation. And the answer is you did the action and you got out of that shit. And in a more general sense, sometimes it's about you learning how to apply the tools and practices that you seek out. Because then, you know, a lot of us, we will do the, d- the diligence of seeking out therapy or of seeking out methods or reading the self-help books. But it ends up where our action becomes in just like pursuing that and not actually implementing that. And so that's also the part of saving yourself. Next question. Does the journey always have to be so lonely? I mean, I don't know. I I mean, I feel like I can't answer like this. I can never speak in absolutes. Only the Sith speak in absolutes. But I do think there is, particularly in our Western society, a certain loneliness to the act of saving yourself. Because a lot of times it means detaching from systems and situations and sometimes siblings that, though comfortable, aren't comforting. And that disassociation and that detachment can can feel like abandonment, even though in actuality, it's the step that's taken for you to go into a space that is more healthy and more protective and more safe and serving for you. So I don't think it's that the journey, the journey doesn't always have to be so lonely. I think what it is, is that the journey won't always be so lonely. And maybe I'm a cockeyed optimist, but I really do believe that like you find your tribe, you know, like when you make space for those energies to come in, they do. And I also, 
also want to point out that your tribe doesn't have to be 70, 50 million people. It doesn't have to be 50, 11 friends, okay? Your tribe might be three folks that you can really rely on, depend on, that fuck with you, that understand you. Your tribe might be one person, okay? okay? Ultimately, it's really about like where you feel safe. And that also might fluctuate. There were times where I felt like I had like so many friends and there are times where I feel like I have like really like three strong folks that I can call on at that moment in time. And then your tribe shifts and, you know, cause people go into their own lives and their own situations and all of these things. And I think the part of saving yourself is understanding that like on this journey, it, it won't always be so lonely because it won't always be what it is now. And I don't think loneliness is the, is the constant. I think the constant is change. That's what I think the constant is. And for a lot of us, change does feel isolating because it may feel like it's only happening to you, but it's not. (laughs) It's not. It really is not. It's happening to everybody, whether they want to admit it or not. I asked myself the other day, what am I working towards? Because ultimately you think like you're working towards like if you hit this one place, then everything is going to be all right. Or if you achieve this thing or, you know, if you hit this goal, but it's like, yeah, you hit that. And then there's another one on the other side. So what are you actually working towards? You know, and I had to kind of ruminate on that. And I decided, well, I'm working towards being able to focus all my energy into creative because other things that I have been working on are actually finally handled. But this journey to here and continuing, there's definitely been loneliness in that journey. And I've had to really explore how to shift that from being lonely to just being alone and taking solace in that solitude. Like allowing myself to actually enjoy the silence of the solitude and explore. And I know that's what has been happening to a lot of people in this pandemic. You know, they had to become best friends with themselves. And let me tell you, when you become best friends with you, It just makes everything so much easier in this world to handle. Next question. It's generally easy to set the standard. How do we maintain the standards we set for ourselves? I find that's the hardest part. Well, you see, and this brings us back to the babying versus the saving yourself, right? Because, yeah, we set the standard. And I I think it's important to note that sometimes you're just like, let me let myself off the hook and give myself a break. And that's not babying yourself, like giving yourself a break or, you know, being honest with the reality of the situation. And, you know, sometimes you just can't hack it the same way. That's not babying yourself. That's being honest with yourself. But keeping the standards that you set for yourself, you know, that's only up to you. So when you say like, that's the hardest part, of course, it's the hardest part, because you're the only one that's really got to be held accountable. Now, I know I have friends and I have people in my life who I'll be like, you know, keep me honest about this, you know, make sure that I stick with this. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to me. Ultimately, it still comes down to me. And the hardest part about, you know, the standards is that you need to attach your standards to things that actually matter to you. Are you just setting those standards just because you're comparing yourself to somebody else and you want to be on their level? Are you setting those standards because of maybe like your upbringing or is it culture-based, et cetera? Anything that you set that isn't attached to something that's real for you, you're never going to be able to stick to. Never. That's why like when we talk about like 
even if you apply standards to dating and you're like, okay, I'm only going to date this kind of person. If you don't really know why you're saying that, like, it's never going to stick. Is it because, you know, you don't want to look bad? Is it because you're tired of being hurt? Is it because, you know, you, um, you quote unquote, know you deserve better? What's the reason? Because if you're not going to identify the actual honest reason, you're always going to be asking, why can't I keep to this? Why? I had to realize that I was letting, you know, shitty folks in because I kind of always felt like my most valuable asset in a relationship was helping the other person to level up. And that's like some egotistical shit. <laughs> and it's also some like real abandonment, like um, like there's a seed in there of feeling like if I'm helping you and I'm looking out for you, then you're never going to like diss me. You know, like if it, th- my asset, like I'm such an asset to you that you're not going to bounce. And that's like fucked up and it's codependent. And so until I got to the real bottom line of my codependency, I was always going to let trash people in. Always. And it wasn't until I got to that bottom line that I was able to really clearly identify what that was and move past it and set a standard based on something that was more real and not just that seemed like it was the right thing to set a standard for. Ooh, I'm being honest this episode. Y'all hear me being honest. This is, I'm looking like fluorescent. Clear transparency right here. Next question. Does saving yourself, including removing yourself from unhealthy relationships, I feel like it's a tenant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Saving yourself is about removing yourself from anything toxic, removing anything toxic from your space. I mean, that's really what it is. Saving yourself could mean starting today unfollowing all the gossip blogs that you follow that are constantly just bringing unnecessary negativity in your life that are based on literally trying to create dissension in other people's lives in order to get a dollar. So that's a relationship that's unhealthy. In terms of like actual like other human beings, oh my gosh, think of how many times You've had undue stress. You've had self-doubt. You've had anxiety born out of an interaction that you have with someone in your life on a regular basis. I don't mean just like, you know, you, you met somebody, they said some fucked up shit to you and it stuck with you. I don't mean that. I mean like the people who are just around you on a regular basis who sow a seed of discord every time. When you remove that, you are giving yourself back peace. And ultimately, I think that's what saving yourself really is. Finding a peacefulness within the rumble of your mind and body. Think about how much our bodies are doing all day. The level of combustion that's happening with every fraction of a second. It's a lot going on. It's chaotic. So being able to find the, the, the peace and, and Depeche Mode it 
and enjoy the silence. Enjoy the silence. Is really powerful. It's almost a superpower. I mean, think about how ill of a superpower that would that would be if you were an X-Men that could just create peace. Right? Like we see so many superheroes that they're able to just like you know, utilize, use matter and, you know, electromagnetic and, you know, use all these elements of the world, you know, to create. I mean, they like to say it's about peace, but they're using them to destroy others. But imagine if your if your superpower is that you can just chill things out. And I think all of us maybe know somebody who has that skill where they can just kind of come into a situation and just like, smooth it out i ain't gonna lie to y'all i know you may not believe it but i'd be able to do that ever so often i when i want to i can do that and that's why i've been really working on like okay but why don't you want to all the time (laughs) why don't you want to all the time you need to want to do that all the time so yes saving yourself does include removing yourself from unhealthy relationships and it includes removing any unhealthy habits from your space um, and of course, you know, we have our vices, you know, we have our, our different things that kind of keep us balanced and that's just the, the, the reality of things. But ultimately anything that's bringing you down, um, and that's fucking with your, your peace and your joy is what you're saving yourself from. Next question. How do you deal with people who are bothered when you take time to save yourself? you know, that's the boundaries conversation, right? You know, there's so many reasons why people have problems with that. Some people feel abandoned because misery loves company. So they're like, how dare you like save yourself when I haven't figured that out yet. And then there's like some people who really just like want to continue to be parasitic. And so they're like, how dare you remove yourself as a resource of my power? And then there are people who are just unable to see what you're doing as positive because they, you know, unfortunately can't see the positive in themselves. And how do you deal with that? I'm not saying you got to be cold-blooded, right? Like, I'm not saying it's like, yo, if you ain't with me, then you against me. Because that's really kind of unrealistic too. But I think you just have to make space. You don't have to internalize their feelings. You can acknowledge them. You may even choose to have a conversation about it but you don't have to make it your business to solve. And it's particularly if there are people in your life that really matter to you, you know, it can be very hard because you, you, you want them to be happy and you hate to be the reason for their unhappiness or disappointment. I get it. But all you can do is be honest with folks about where you're coming from and be, you know, empathetic and compassionate about where they're coming from And that's the best you can do. And again, you don't beat yourself up. You are accountable for, you know, your place in that conversation. But I think the other thing, and a therapist had told me this one time, 
you're going to disappoint people. And I know some of y'all are listening and you're just like, but I don't want to. And it's like, I feel you, but sometimes you are. You're going to disappoint people. People disappoint you. And they'll get over it. When it's when 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 the disappointment is in this context, they'll get over it. And if they don't, then they aren't meant for your space. And that's like just the fucking sucky part of it. But the beautiful part of it is that there becomes more space for others to enter. I, I swear for Lord. You know, my mom told me the other day um, because we did a photo shoot for the Illustrious League clothing line and I was able to call on people that I've met since moving to Los Angeles who really just helped me and just came out the gate. And my mom was like, you really find friends. You found some good friends. It took a long time, but you finally found some good friends. And she's so right. It took me about 37 years to really get great friends. 37 years. I'm not saying I didn't have like people that came in and showed up during that path. But to have like a solid base of folks that get me and get what I'm about. And um, I'm not, and that's not to say that we haven't had disagreements, but that get what I'm about enough to understand that it's just a disagreement versus a flaw in character showing up and that are willing to accept my apology and that are, have demonstrated themselves in a manner where I'm willing to accept their apologies. Like that took a long time, y'all a long time. And especially if you're super tapped in or you're a fucking weirdo like myself, or, you know, you're just on another, like, mind playing the vibration it's gonna be a difficult thing because this this world does not by any means normalize high vibration behavior and so finding that in your circle and normalizing it in your circle does require and uh, more effort than you would expect but god damn it it's worth it because when we talk about saving ourselves as those people who end up being integral in reminding you about your power to save yourself. The script. Today's script is going to be movies that show examples of women saving themselves in honor of Women's History Month. First movie, Working Girls, starring Melanie Griffith and Sigourney Weaver and Harrison Ford. Why am I picking this movie? Well, Working Girls movie that came out in the 80s. And it was about this um, this chick, Melanie Griffith, who worked in like the basically kind of, she was like a temp, I want to say. She was a temp in, at like a firm, like a, a finance firm. And her boss ends up, uh, Sigourney Weaver, getting hurt. And she is out of the office. And Melanie Griffith basically gets this opportunity by happenstance to step into this position in a way that is actually not honest. So let me just say this. It's not the, this example is an example of someone like taking a risk that could have got them in, in trouble. But she was like, you know what? I got to take a drastic shot in order to make a drastic change. And she ends up 
really like studying up and getting, getting, and she had already been on top of like stocks and whatnot, but she wasn't going to ever get the opportunity to move into this position by coming up through the ranks. And so she basically uh, pulled a move and got, this is not a good example. (laughs) I mean, it is a good example because sometimes you are going to have to do some slick shit, but I use this example because They say luck is where opportunity and preparation meet. And, you know, it just so happened that this other person's misfortune opened the door for Melanie Griffith's character to be able to display her talents to people who otherwise would not have listened were she in her normal position. And thus she was able to move on up. And I got to tell you, I've been in scenarios before where I only had like one minute to impress somebody and I was able to do it. And it didn't have to stab anybody in the back to do it. I didn't have to like, you know, do anything duplicitous, but it was luck because it was where opportunity met preparation that allowed me to capitalize on that situation and save myself and move into a better position for myself. And I think like the key though, is that you shouldn't have to forsake somebody to do it. Now, the beauty of it is that, you know, Melanie Griffith's character, like she didn't have to shit on Sigourney Weaver to do it. Sigourney Weaver ended up shitting on herself. But ultimately, you know, I think what frustrates me for a lot of women is like when we're in workplaces and we feel like we want to save ourselves, we always feel like we got to like stab somebody else in the back. You shouldn't have to kill nobody else to save yourself. Next on the script, good old color purple. Now, Miss Seeley, had to save herself. Miss Seely was put in such a harrowing situation. She was basically a child bride. Her sister was stolen and sent to Africa. <laughs> yeah, you will never find like And she was stuck in the house with this abusive man who was mentally, physically, and emotionally abusive and his children. And she was in misery. But then she met... Suge Avery. Now, in the book, they have an actual physical relationship. In the movie, it's more of a friendship. But ultimately, Suge Avery, in her liberation of herself and freeing herself from, you know, feeling like she was confined to the church, she shared that liberation with Celie, that sense of agency, and gave Seely op- well, opened a door for Seely to finding that awakening within herself and knowing that she didn't have to let Mr. or nobody control her anymore. And abusive relationships oftentimes trick you into thinking that this person knows more about what you need and knows more about who you are than you. And thus you have to stick with them and stay with them. And, you know, saving yourself in abusive relationships can have so many consequences, you know, and can feel like such a, like, like a great feat because there are oftentimes so much that you're going to have to give up. You know, it might mean leaving home. It might mean even leaving your children. It might mean having to essentially incriminate somebody who, even though they're harming you, you still have love for, right? And 
So when you watch A Color Purple and you see Celie take back her strength and you know when she takes it back, right? I ain't never asked you for nothing. I ain't never asked you for nothing. Not even your sorry ass hand in marriage. Until you do right by me, everything you do gon' fail. I may be poor. I may be black. I may be ugly. But I'm here, Lord. I'm here. Yes. That Sophia home dinner, that's when we got to see Celie save herself. And I'm not saying that your version of saving yourself means that you got to bang on the table like Yana Van Zandt or you got to, you know, stand with your hand pose like you're like you're performing a spell. But what it does mean is when you are able to summon from within you something that was already there. And and the reason I use that this movie as an example is because sometimes it does take someone coming into your life to tell you that, to remind you that, or to inform you that you have that, or to reveal to you, reveal to you that that's even a possibility. Next on the script, last but not least, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Where'd You Go, Bernadette is a film starring Kate Blanchett. And when I tell you I love this fucking movie. So it's based on a book. And in the book and the film, the... Uh, it's based on a character who was like this, like, I mean, this savant prodigy of an architect. And she was just so incredible at her skill and her craft. And then she married this brilliant man and they had a beautiful life. And then she had kids Well, she had a daughter. And then once she had the daughter, she got very focused on the daughter because she had had several miscarriages. And so when this daughter came, she was like a miracle. And she was like, I'm not going to put my energy anywhere else. And so when we, when we meet her in the movie, she's at this point where she's just kind of like wilding. <laughs> like she is having like all these issues with her neighbor. Like she's like trying to redo this house. She's just in chaos and her husband don't know what to do about it. She doesn't sense it. Her daughter is like, I love you how you are. And there's just all this madness going on. And you meet her character and you're like, I fuck with this character, but I don't know what it, what is the issue. Like there's something that's clearly just not locked in place. And then she runs into her old professor, played by Lawrence Fishburne. And her old professor asks her like what she's been up to. And she's talking about her daughter. She's talking about the house. She's talking about the neighbors. She's talking about the husband. All these things. And her old professor is like, so you're not creating? And she's like, well, you know, I, just, I mean, I just haven't had, you know, I just haven't had time. Like, I, I just haven't had. And he's like, an artist who's not creating is a menace to society. And it hits her like a ton of bricks. And she ends up in the film, and I'm not going to give it away, but she ends up in a film making a choice to save herself. And... It seems very erratic and drastic to everyone around her, but she knows it's what she has to do. And sometimes that is what has to happen. Sometimes you're going to have to do something that may seem erratic and drastic to everyone else, but you know you and you know what you have to do. And again, it doesn't have to be at the forsaking of anybody else. So if you want to see some great examples of women saving themselves, those are three right there. And listen... If you want like a bonus, just listen to Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album. Because <laughs> that right there is, she's like, you're not going to keep me down and I'm going to yell about it for an entire album. I feel like I've had to save myself 
many times in many ways in my life. And I definitely believe that I have angels because in my headstrongness, I feel like I didn't always read the writing on the wall. Like, I feel like I would over-intellectualize or I would, you know, try to kind of create another (laughs) outcome of things, even though like I knew better. But there seems to have always been like another force that will come in and speak louder than my own lies that I tell myself. And as I've gotten older, it hasn't had to speak as loud for me to listen. And when I say saving myself, I would say like the biggest thing for me has always been just like letting people in my space that really don't deserve my space and not really being able to discern when it's time to let people go. And I'm sure that has something to do with my abandonment issues, right? Because I, I like, I, I was abandoned, so I don't want to abandon somebody else. Like, I'm definitely sure that it is a real thing. And relating to people in that space and wanting to, you know, feel understood. And if they can understand that, then you feel understood. But I know that, like, I've had to more, like, more often than than in any other space in my life, that's the place where I feel like I've had to have someone come in that would just like lay words on me like hands that just move me. I mean, I remember one time walking into a brunch and Bevy Smith just pulled me to the side and was like, no more mistakes. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no more men who are only serving a purpose in your life that you could hire someone to, to serve. And what she meant by that was because the person that I had been dating was not on my level. And basically their, their value that they were creating in my life was kind of like an assistant almost. And they weren't serving me emotionally and they weren't serving me mentally, but because they would like help me with things, I felt like that was our exchange. And she was like, no, your significant other, their purpose their value in your life cannot be based on them basically providing a service to you that you could pay somebody else to do. No. And she was like, for you, you need somebody that is your mental and emotional equal in terms of, you know, willingness and curiosity, et cetera. And I, it took me years to really fully, 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 fully understand that. But I'm just using that as an example of like, I hadn't, I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that. And then she like stepped into this space and it was almost like she pulled a cloud aside and let me see another patch of sky. And I want y'all to ask yourselves, like, do you have people like that around you? You know, or do you even allow yourself to receive, you know, messaging like that? And it's not like everybody's right every time, but it does help you to consider, you know, to synthesize for a second and and then, you know, apply if need be. And if not, then you let it fly. But the act of saving myself 
has always come down to me being resolute in a way that seemed like I was doing somebody wrong until I actually examined it and realized that I wasn't doing somebody wrong in being that resolute. I was doing right by myself. And I just know, I just know a lot of y'all when you are a parent or you're just responsible for other people, it's just the idea of saving yourself, even that wording can seem so like, I don't have the ability to do that because I got to save everybody else. And I just, I'm always going to come back to, you got to figure out how not to be drained by everybody in your life. You can't be saving everybody in your life and then putting yourself out to pasture. You can't. You you just, I just, and I know that, you know, there are extreme situations where that's not the case. Don't get me wrong. When you're a parent and you have very little and you got to give to your kids, um, that's different. But ultimately, when it comes to like a lot of our just everyday exchanges, I think a lot of us are putting ourselves through a lot of fuck shit that we just really don't need to. Only because we don't know better. Or because we don't think we deserve better. The act of saving yourself is really allowing yourself to receive what you deserve and doing the actions to get there. The last dose. So on my line, illustriously, our first drop, Save Yourself, has an image of a woman with two cutlasses, two machetes crossed, and it says save yourself on them. And the the meaning behind this image goes along with one of my favorite quotes of all time by Paulo Coelho, who's author of The Alchemist. And he says, trust everyone, but never sell your sword. And what I've always interpreted that to mean is that you know, you can, you can have strength in both places. You can have strength and vulnerability and also strength in being able to remove, uh, from your life, that which is not serving you. And you need the sword to cut it. You need to cut it. And so that's what that image speaks to. It speaks to the, her hair represents the whimsy and her eyes represents, you know, uh, the entrance into her soul and her spirit that she's giving folks. But the swords are about you always being armed at the ready to cut that which does not serve you in order to save yourself. And I want y'all to remember your swords. Okay? <laughs> Everybody listening, I want you to get your sword sharpened. Because we ain't going to be in this pandemic forever. And when we get out of this shit, you know, there's going to be a whole other life on this side of us that will require us to continue to save ourselves and save each other and look out for each other. And there's abundance that doesn't have to come in financial means, but that can come in simply just joy. And it's crazy how much people may not want you to have that, but you deserve it. When you are doing the work, when you are putting joy into the world, when you are making the shifts in your life that um, receive that, there's no reason why you shouldn't get that. So I all, I ask all of you to consider how you're saving yourself. 
And if you don't have an answer, to seek some ways. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.